Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. We are going to explore a somewhat familiar passage today, which is found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now we read here that without any apparent planning, and seemingly quite suddenly, Jesus grabs those following and invites them to go on a quick voyage. The destination, simply put, the other side. The other side that Jesus is setting course for is not attractive to his disciples. That other side is the region known as the Decapolis, the Alliance of Ten Cities. Today, this region sits in the nation of Jordan. Back then, the Decapolis adopted a Greek or Hellenistic lifestyle and primarily worshipped Greek and Syrian gods. They knew something of the God of Israel, but really only by their proximity to their Jewish neighbours to the west. These cities were not exactly the ideal location for a Jewish holiday. But without warning, that's where Jesus elects to go. And following him literally meant getting in the boat with him. So off they go. One of these new followers has the helm, and Jesus takes a nap. It's interesting that this is the only place where we read of Jesus sleeping, almost as if the writer wants to remind us of his human side right here. And sure enough, while Jesus is doing a very human thing, a storm hits the sea. Now, a few years ago, I remember the Philippines going through something called a super storm. And I remember my local radio station interviewing somebody who had experienced it firsthand. She spoke of great fear and worry about whether or not their building would stand or fall. People in the lower levels were running upstairs to take refuge from floodwaters. And when it got really heavy, they had to scream to each other in order to be heard. The emotion of the moment was really captured well as they described what they went through. This lady in the Philippines also stated that there was a sense of complacency in the people beforehand as well. It was monsoon season after all, so a storm front coming didn't seem like that big of a deal. They had seen storms come and go, but nothing could prepare them for what actually took place. That complacency was most likely present in the disciples as they sailed and saw the storm clouds forming ahead of them too. The geographical location of the Sea of Galilee, with its borders all quite mountainous, meant that they would get some decent storm conditions from time to time. 
and these fishermen had a sense of only mild readiness as they pondered the course ahead. That is, until the storm really hit them. This wasn't like other storms they had encountered, and we read of great fear in seasoned sailors here. They would be taking in water faster than they can flush it out. They would be tilting far too much from side to side, and the waves would be more than their little fishing boat can handle. And then a thought suddenly hits them. You know, we're only out here because that Jesus guy told us to. Where is he anyway? They turn around and he is sleeping like a baby at the back of the boat. The water is splashing around the front and flowing under his bed, and he is seemingly oblivious to it all in his peaceful slumber. Well, we read that the disciples aren't having any of that. He got them there. He can stay awake and watch this all go down. So they wake him up with a really urgent call. Hey, Jesus, wake up. We are dying here. And all you're doing is sleeping. You set the course, Jesus. We were doing just fine in our little comfortable spot in Capernaum. But no, you had to sail to Decapolis. We didn't even get the weather report in. We couldn't read the sky properly or pack a few extra supplies. We couldn't play it ultra safe. You wanted to go right there and then. And now, look where it's got us. Holding on for life and you sleeping. Don't you even care right now? Friend, have you ever asked Jesus that question? Jesus, you've set me a course to follow and now there's turmoil. You couldn't let me go my own comfortable pace. You had to push me just a little bit. And now it's windy and it's wavy and I'm wondering what on earth I'm doing here. You nudged me to tell my family about following you and it turned into a two-hour debate that I wasn't quite prepared for. You nudged me to open my wallet for someone or something and a bill just showed up in the mail that I wasn't expecting. You're challenging me to change something about my character and it's painful to deal with. You're asking me to reconnect with church and now I have to connect with Christians again at the risk of seeing hypocrisy in the process and my emotions are running wild. There's a huge global pandemic going on all around me and the world feels crazy and uncertain. But you are asking me to completely trust you. I did the right thing by following you and all I've got to show for it is turmoil. What are you at work doing right now? Do you even care? I wonder if any of that sort of prayer sounds familiar to you. The truth is that Jesus did care. The disciples couldn't possibly see the big picture at the time, but Jesus going down with a ship that day was simply not part of the plan of God. They couldn't imagine the amazing opportunity that immediately waited for them on the other side either. But all those things were fixed in the mind of Jesus. As long as that boat had him in it, it wasn't going to go down no matter how tumultuous things looked. Instead, through this storm, the disciples would see more of Jesus than they would have by simply sitting in the safety of their little gathering back in town. We read here that Jesus gets up and speaks to the storm in full authority. He rebukes it, meaning to admonish or strongly command it to stop. And to everyone's surprise, it stops immediately. And what starts instead is a fresh understanding of just who Jesus is. You see, right up to the point where they wake Jesus up, we see that they are still referring to him as teacher. Until this event, he was still just that. Yes, there were healings. Yes, there were miracles. And that was nice and it was clear that God was using this guy. But he was still to them a mere teacher. 
But then he opens his mouth, not to them, but to the storm all around them. Psalm 104 tells us that at the rebuke of the Lord God, the waters will flee and only flow where they are assigned by him to go. Isaiah 51 reminds us that it was God who dried the sea and made it a road for Israel to cross over. Job 26 verses 7 to 14 offers a great picture of the Lord. Let me read that to you now. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? To the disciples, only one person had the power to change the elements of the weather. And we've just read about that person in these three Bible verses. That was in the skill set of God alone. Yet here is Jesus, their teacher, doing the very thing God alone could do. In the last episode, we saw that Jesus claimed and demonstrated that he was more powerful than the devil, stronger than the strong man, as he put it. Now we can see that he is more powerful than nature itself. This all points to one conclusion for the disciples, the deity of Jesus Christ, the recognition that Jesus is in fact God. You see, when we get into those boat times with Jesus and follow the course he sets, we get a much fuller view of who it is in the boat with us. And as long as he's in that boat with us, seemingly sleeping or not, we are not going to sink. So why does the turmoil occur then? Well, that's to build faith. And this is clearly the outcome as Jesus speaks with his disciples after their ordeal. In scripture, we see that the two key Christian elements of love and faith are blocked by one common mindset. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we see that perfect love can cast it out. While in the words of Jesus here, we see that faith will do the same thing. That mindset is in full force in the disciples, and it completely blocked their faith. That mindset is fear. The disciples were so caught up in fear for their lives that they hadn't yet taken sight of the author of life in their boat. But it wasn't until they got into the boat and into the situation that they faced that they were actually positioned to see it. Until then, it would all be talk. Putting faith into their actions would see Jesus be who he was in action. You only really see that and develop that conviction when you're on the uncomfortable course that Jesus alone sets for you. As we read further into the story, the very next thing to occur is a first-time encounter with non-Jewish people and a very strong introduction to what Jesus was all about. The passage right after this speaks of the setting free of a demon-possessed man who lived among tombs and ran around naked and caused everyone around him to live in a state of fear about what he might get up to next knowing they themselves were powerless to stop him. 
But between Capernaum, where Jesus was, and the Decapolis, where he needed to be, was the deliberate journey and the storm. Was the storm initiated by God? Well, given the destination, I would suggest not. The sea was said by the superstitious to be the dwelling place of evil, and these disciples would have held that sort of view. There was something eerily supernatural about storms to these seasoned fishermen. They could easily have seen this as an evil thing, and I believe that we are supposed to read it as such also. We know that the evil one does not want the mission of the church to succeed, and any course that Jesus sets will most certainly encounter a storm or two along the way. But staying put in Capernaum is not the answer. Getting in the boat is, because that puts us in the closest proximity to where Jesus is. So as we reflect on this, I have one simple question to ask. What does your experience of faith thus far say about your knowledge of Jesus? You hopefully could tell a story of choosing to simply follow. Jesus called you out from the crowd and you've embraced the journey of placing faith in him. If you haven't yet, make contact with a church, make contact with this radio station or my Facebook page so someone can help you further along with that. Others still could hopefully speak further of the many things they've learned in that figurative Capernaum setting. You know many things that Jesus said, and you've learned a great deal about God that way. But do you know him in the storm yet? Are you stepping out and following the course that he is setting for you to go? Have you been through the storm between your church and your mission field? Have you been caught in that storm of fear when all you have to cling to is Jesus and you really need him to come through for you? Have you set your course in the direction Jesus has given you in financial faith or stepping out faith or missional faith? And have you seen the opposition that has tried to block the course ahead? And if so, have you seen Jesus there? Have you seen who he truly is? And is that revelation deep-seated within you? You will not see that in the classroom. You will only see that in the storm. We don't often pursue the course that Jesus sets because we don't want the hassle of the storm. But to play it safe means to know Jesus less and make less of a difference as a result. Jesus says, get in the boat, just as we are. The boat leads to our mission. And along the way, he becomes more real to us. Fear gets dissipated and faith emerges in us, and people's lives are dramatically changed on the other side. So friend, the course is set. The boat is setting sail. The destination awaits, and the bit in the middle may be unknown. But you won't be going across alone. The next move is up to you. What will that be? Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.